Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us a chance to check out some of the recent guests who've been with us on JM in the AM. Professor Yonatan Halevi, President Emeritus, Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem, uh, joined me recently to discuss the COVID-19 situation in Israel. Here's that conversation with Professor Yonatan Halevi on uh, JM Rewind here at the Nahum Siegel Network. After a historic... After a historic... Um, tenure as Director General of Jerusalem's Shari Tzedek Medical Center. Uh, last year, uh, Professor Yonatan Alevi became its uh, president. He's now the president of the Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. And we had an opportunity a couple of months back to speak with him and get a uh, an update, a, a situational analysis of what's happening regarding COVID-19 in Israel. And now, of course, we're following the news from thousands of miles away, and we're curious what's happening today. Professor Yonatan Alevi, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much, and uh, good to speak to you again. How are you? Baruch Hashem. As I say, God's been very generous and good to us. Baruch Hashem, I hope you're doing well during this time as well. You know, one of the people that we often feature on this program is Nisim Black, who's a pretty well-known member of the Jewish music world. And I don't know if you're following his social media or not, but both he and his wife have unfortunately suffered, and Baruch Hashem are now recovering from COVID-19. But he has spent a lot of time on social media praising the staff and the people that you're very familiar with at Shari Tzedek Medical Center. So I see even though this has gone on for quite a while, COVID-19, all the way since Purim time, I see that your staff, Baruch Hashem, is still able to dispense great care and do so in uh, in a manner that we would call supreme bedside manner. Yeah, thank God. <clears throat> Even uh, an hour ago, a couple uh, who was hospitalized in another hospital were released prematurely and were admitted 48 hours ago to Sharitzeh, COVID-19 department, praised and noted the difference. So thank you for the compliment. I'm very subjective about it. Yes, it's true that it's already uh, four months, but, you know, Israel had uh, two waves. So we had the privilege of uh, having very, very few patients. Actually, we had a week where we had no COVID-19 patients at Charit Wow. But unfortunately, in the last six weeks, the numbers are climbing again. I'll give you some numbers and yep. also my view about the difference between the two waves in Israel. Right. So right, right now, through for this minute, there are uh, 41 patients hospitalized uh, in Shari Tzedek with uh, COVID-19. The peak was Erev Pesach, just before Passover of this year, mid-April or April 9th, I think, was Erev Pesach. We had 128. Wow. So this wave is characterized by lower numbers of patients who need to be admitted to the hospital. There, are, there is a higher number of patients who are being diagnosed, partly because the new Minister of Health in Israel decided to test asymptomatic patients, and the numbers went up from six, five to 6,000 studies, COVID-19, exams a day, it went up to close to 30,000. Yesterday, they did uh, 26,000 uh, COVID-19 tests in Israel. Right. So part of the rise in the number of diagnoses is the increase in the number of tests. 
but also there is a real increase in the number of patients. It's already a few weeks that the numbers of affected people is not concentrated in certain uh, cities like uh, Bnei Barak or like Jerusalem or the Haredi community. On the contrary, the ultra-Orthodox community is very disciplined now, and uh, we see the patients all over the country, all over the country. It's true that Jerusalem is still a leader, but not necessarily because of the 25% of its population composed of ultra-Orthodox. We almost, and this is very, it's curious map, in the first wave, there was zero number of Arabs. Wow. Today, the Arabs comprise about 30%. It's as if COVID-19 reached them later. No one knows. You know, there is the same statistics from neighboring countries, from Jordan, from Egypt, that started very, very slowly. I think that the virus showed more, showed more affinity to highly developed countries at the beginning, and only then spread. If you take Africa, Africa, poor Africa is almost spared till today. Very low numbers. So this is an observation. But another difference between the first wave and this wave, and this is this calls for cautious optimism, is the fact that the morbidity, the severity of the illness, is much less. Uh, at the peak of the first wave, we had 17 patients on respirators. We have four now. The average age of the patients is much, much lower. It has to do with the fact that Israel learned the lesson after the first wave and put special emphasis and a lot of repeated tests in nursing homes. Every couple of days, every every one who resides in a nursing home and the whole staff of the nursing homes is tested again for COVID-19 and if he turns positive, is immediately isolated. The nursing homes are sealed and no one, not even family members can come and visit. So we don't see those who are the most vulnerable right. in the highest risk group. We don't see them in hospital and in general, the level of acuity and severity of COVID-19 uh, uh, sufferers in this wave is much lower. So I hope that the big numbers will come down. Uh, you probably know, and the viewers who have relatives in Israel knew that the government took few steps two weeks ago that we are maybe starting to see their effect. And this is mainly regarding gatherings. Right. So gatherings were forbidden, even in shuls. Only 10 people allowed indoors if there are conditions to keep social separation, and only 19 outdoors, regardless of the size of the outdoors, poor outdoor space near the hospital. I davened last Shabbat, Shabbat Mevarachim. I davened with other 18 people, no more. And I lay in the hall, Matot Maser, you know, it was the longest sidra of the year, right. uh, for, for 19 people, 18 people and myself. And uh, usually in my shul there are 200. So you have to register ahead, and you go only, um, only if you are registered, and once it gets to 19, 
וגבאי וקורן אגבייר, as they call him, does not register anymore. So, you know, we feel the corona very much, but I have cautious optimism from the fact that the virus is less aggressive. Did it undergo a mutation? There is no research to back it. I believe it's the lower age of the patients. Today we don't believe that the summer do anything, but... I think there is a room for cautious optimism because although the numbers are still growing larger, the severity of the cases and the mortality is not very high and, uh, and very stable. It doesn't increase. There are between four and six additional patients who die a day in Israel. Right. It's supposed to 1,500 to 2,000 who are tested positive. Uh, Professor Yonatan Alevi is with us, uh, Shari Tzedek Medical Center in Jerusalem. He serves as its president. Let me let me go back for a minute, just ask, uh, I mean, the, the age factor and taking care of our elderly, I think that's something that the world, Europe, U.S., Israel, as you just described, I think that's something that we've learned to, to do much better. And, and in general, people in that age category and those with certain conditions have learned that isolation or relative isolation is better for them at this point, and I understand that that certainly has reduced, thank God, the mortality uh, numbers. But give me give me a, a sentence or two. I know that you know it. It sounds like you've indicated to us already that it's somewhat mysterious. But is there any theory you can give us about why developed countries, as opposed to poor Africa, as you mentioned, uh, have so much you know of a, so much more of a higher rate, have so much more of an effect? from COVID-19? Look, if there is an explanation that they apply to the beginning of the epidemic, I don't know if it applies today. The more international traveling, right. the more... Uh, so at the beginning, it's no wonder that the initial spread from China went to Europe because that's the international traveling. But we are three and a half to four months after most Western countries close their borders, and third world countries also close their uh, airports. So that's the only, the delay may have been because the epidemic, we all know, started in China, and at the beginning it was international traveling. The yeshiva bochers that entered Israel during the 72 hours, not only yeshiva bochers, but mainly... Right. People who did a lot of traveling. went to Israel during the 72 hours that Bibi Netanyahu delayed the closure of the border from the U.S. because he didn't want to annoy President Trump, are uh, responsible for around 5,000 cases. Right. That's a well-documented. Right. Professor Alevi, you mentioned President Trump. I don't want to get political, but you said something that to us as Americans who follow the news is really important. Uh, when the president mentions uh, and responds to the criticism that our numbers have skyrocketed in this country, he'll often point out that we're doing more testing than anybody else and more tests will lead to more numbers of cases. Uh, it, it sounds, and, and the media tells uh, and the media mocks him usually, the mainstream media here mocks him for that statement uh, in very creative ways. Again, without getting political or asking for your preferences in the White House, it sounds like, based on what you're saying, that there's legitimacy to his point of view. Well, 
there was full legitimacy if the number of the seized, if the number of victims was not going up. But unfortunately, when you look at the number of people who die from the epidemic, uh, right now in Florida, in California, in Texas, that's the important number. Yes, a certain increase in the number of diagnosed patients comes from the increase in the number of tests. Right. In Israel, it's the same. But if you look at the far end of the severity index, those who are on ventilators and those who die, if there is a steep increase, definitely in the three states that I just mentioned. Right. And this does not lend credence. So right. I think your uh, president this time is only partially... Um, Right. Understood. Uh, it, when you refer, you just you describe the second wave in Israel really well. How it's working, the differences, etc. Is 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 what is going on in thirty plus states here a second wave, or or because some states were a little bit more lackadaisical when it came to restrictions and were quick to reopen, you might not even consider this a second wave. And secondly. Um, do we need to – you see the numbers in the New York, New Jersey area. They're, they're quite impressive, thank God, compared to what it was in April and May. Do, do you think we need to anticipate a second wave, or we may be able to avoid it here? I believe that the second wave in Israel is really not the real second wave, but it's an extension of the first wave and results from the very quick and comprehensive coming out of the lockdowns. From a full, full hermetic lockdown, Erev Pesach, right, which right. in four weeks, all the schools return all together. Right. You know, and uh, for, for a week, the students learned in capsules, but quickly enough, because classes in Israel are very large, 35 to 40 students, the physical facility is congested, and what we call the second wave, is ascribed in Israel to uh, coming out too quickly and too broadly. And I think that states that don't do it, and especially if the physical conditions of the school, you know, we don't know how much. You know the children are not severely sick except rare cases. Right. We also know that they are probably less contagious, but they are contagious. Right. And they, they, they infect their parents. And uh, because Israel was so hasty to return the Israeli market back, we did it too fast. Instead of doing it gradually, extending the study in capsules, and those who do not have room in the class should learn, um, you know, digitally from home, we didn't do it. And that's the price that we pay. So, so if you look, yeah. I think that New York was much, much slower in releasing the public from the lockdowns, right. I think your elderly, most of Sharet Tzedek donors are elderly people. I talked to them. Some of them did not leave home for 12, 13, 15 weeks. Right. I, 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 I never left. I, I and thank God, I, I mean, I shouldn't say thank God, but factually, I'm not among the elderly yet. But except for walking to my studio where I've been alone uh, for all these weeks, I never went anywhere for any event until uh, Lagba Omer. Do you have a general opinion since schools in Israel are generally opening each year, September the 1st, 
Do you have a general point of view about how they should go about uh, the school session for the upcoming year? I think I think there should be a limit on the number. I think that every class should be divided into two groups. Each group will represent a capsule, and I think that three days a week, the first capsule should uh, learn frontally with the teacher, sitting with masks, six feet apart from each other, and the other half should be home digitally on the Internet, and then rotate. So both capsules and small groups, I think uh, September 1st is so close, I think that's going to be the situation. All right, two quick things before I let you go. Vaccine. I'm sure you're watching all of the. I mean, you're up to date on everything in the medical world. I'm sure you're watching this very, very closely. And we keep hearing about uh, about a a UK vaccine in cooperation with one of the companies here in the United States. Um, uh, Do you think that this, what seems like a dream, frankly, when the president of the United States mentions it, that we could have a vaccine? Uh, mass marketed by the end of this calendar year, do you think that really could be a reality? Well, we definitely hope for this. I listened the other day to your Anthony Fauci, who I understand still enjoys um, a lot of popularity (laughs) and justifiably so. And uh, he was mentioning that it may be even as close as December of this year. Right. When I look at the scientific publication and the, the announcements of Oxford in the UK and Moderna in the US, they are both deep into the clinical trials. They finished phase one where they tested it on few tens, 45, 50, maximum 90 uh, healthy volunteers. They publicized, and I think this calls for optimism, that uh, they the quantity of antibodies produced through the vaccine surpassed significantly the quantity of antibodies that produced by the natural infection by COVID-19. But one thing has not been proven yet, and that's that a mass, a phase three, on thousands of people of all ages is both efficacious and safe. You know, the ultimate trial is that these patients, after getting the vaccine, should be infected with the virus and show that they do not get sick. So all these clinical trials, with their ethical dilemmas and questions which we have no time to go into, are usually take a year to a year and a half. Now everything is accelerated. So I think December 2020, and Fauci also was very... Uh, you know, very careful in the way he said it. He said maybe, I think that's the quickest. If we have it towards the end of the winter, March or April 21, I will be very happy. You know how uh, Professor Alevi is with us from Israel. You know how hard the Orthodox communities were hit uh, Pesach time, Purim Pesach, uh, especially in very heavily Orthodox neighborhoods of uh, New York and New Jersey. It's well documented. There's even this theory about herd immunity. I get that. Uh, a very, very lackadaisical attitude in certain communities right now uh, to wearing masks and social distancing because of these high antibody uh, counts being found in people in our community. I still think that there's a lot of ignorance and arrogance that goes along with that, but that's not for this conversation. That's just a personal opinion. Uh, But with all that in mind, have you seen any cases of reinfection? 
Are you of the opinion that it really seems that at least for this season, I understand as little as I know about medicine, I understand that the calendar always has you know an effect on things. Um, but are, are, are you willing to say that at least for this season, someone who's been infected will likely not be reinfected? I, I believe so. You know, trying to um, deduce from other viruses, there is no reason in the world. I think that the few cases of reinfection, most of them are another peak of the same infection. And even if it is a reinfection, it should be extremely, extremely rare. I believe that the virus, like most viruses, confers immunity. We do not know for how long. That's why you were cautious to say for this season. And I believe it's a rule of thumb. Anybody who had the virus, had a positive PCR, and when he recovered, had a positive serological test for antibodies, should be rest assured that he cannot be reinfected. But wouldn't, but wouldn't you still recommend that it would be proper, especially when mingling with other communities, for them to wear masks and social distance because many people do not? have antibodies and do not, and thank God, have been so careful, have not suffered from COVID-19? Yeah, I believe so. Also because of Marie Tain. Nobody right. knows that right. you have antibodies. Correct. So I believe they should, and it's not such, such a far-reaching uh, expectation to wear the mask. Everybody does it today, and they think they should do too. One of our listeners on the apps asks if it's safe for gap year students. I, I guess, again... Based on what you said earlier, one of, it sounds to me at least that one of the reasons the government of Israel is, is ready to let the gap year students come to Israel is because the schools are guaranteeing and the seminaries and yeshivot are guaranteeing that proper testing will be done before, during, and after, and they'll be quarantining in the institutions for at least two weeks. So I guess there's a certain amount of trust that the government, if they do make this decision to let the gap year students in, a certain amount of trust they have in those who are leading these institutions. Yeah, that's correct. Finally, I must ask you, when you read Matot Masse, do you get all the aliyot like is happening now in my shul, the Balkori gets all the aliyot, or do you uh, distribute them and let people say the brachot from a little bit of a distance? Oh, that was wonderful. But uh, no, I did not get. There were seven koim, seven gavre. And they stood, none, none of them approached the Seifel. Right. They all, they didn't kiss the Torah. They all stood six feet uh, away. They said the Bracha and did not touch or did not approach me. I was the only one without a mask. It's very difficult to lane for 50 minutes. Right. That's what it took me right. to read Matot Masay um, with, with a mask. But uh, nobody got closer than six feet to the Seifel. You know, you have access to a lot of personal protective equipment. Would a face shield be sufficient for a Balcore, or you would say no? No, I would say it should be sufficient. Oh, it's it not be sufficient only for someone who is really getting close right. to a patient with COVID-19. Because a school teacher said to me, in, in the hopes of going back to teaching in September, uh, they said that they will certainly wear a mask when appropriate, obviously, especially if they have a conversation with a student. But to lecture, they think a face shield should be, should be sufficient to protect them and to protect others. And it sounds like you likely agree with that. Yeah, I do, especially if the lecturer really stands right. even more than six feet apart from his listener. 
Professor Alevi, always a delight to speak with you. A tzom kal, and I look forward, Bezrat Hashem, to speaking with you in Jerusalem very soon, please, God. Likewise. Likewise. You're always welcome, Rachel. I appreciate it. Be well. Professor Yonatan Alevi, President, Shari Tzedek Medical Center. He's amazing, as are all our friends at Shari Tzedek, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, at NachumSingle.com, and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. That was my conversation with Professor Alevi. JM Rewind continues with Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowicz. We discussed uh, some of the things available now during the nine days, and uh, some of the uh, big news that's upcoming from uh, Art Scroll Misora, Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz on this edition of JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Erev Rosh Chodesh, tonight begins the nine days. We thought it would be an amazing... We have, we have a lot of announcements coming up, right? I mean, announcements may be the wrong word for uh, coming up because the truth is we're going to be speaking about it throughout the entire nine days also, not just after Nachamu. Uh, but we have a lot of material that we're going to be going through with our friends at Art Scroll once uh, Nachamu happens, including the brand new cookbook by uh, Danielle Renoff that everyone's looking forward to. It's got a big pre-sale going on right now at artscroll.com with a free tote bag and more. Uh, the 4th of August, I get the opportunity to grill her about the new book. <laughs> you like that, huh? Uh, we, get to, we get to ask her a lot of questions about the brand new book the Tuesday, the 4th of August, the Tuesday following, uh, uh, following Nachamu. We're looking forward to that here at JM and the M. But there's a lot to talk about even before we get to Nachamu and Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz, very busy man, but he's taken a few minutes this morning to join us on this Erev the Nine Days, an Erev Rosh Chodesh here at JM and the AM. He's, of course, the president of Art Scroll Masora, Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz. Welcome back to JM and the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good. And your listeners, thank you for having me on again. A pleasure. You know, I was thinking of you the other day. I was visiting uh, my friend Mayor Weingarten, mm-hmm. who, who you know, of course. Um, and uh, we were, t- of course, talking about Rabbi Trank, obviously, <laughs> and and he and he mentioned to me how wh- one of the things he and he was telling me some great stories. But one of the things he loved about Rabbi Trank was that it was that forty years later, when Rabbi Trank would see him at a simcha or, or at any type of event, he'd be you know talking about great things that he, meaning Mayor, did as a camper, you know, forty years earlier, and that of course gives you a great feeling. He also told me how. You know, he would see him at a simcha, and and he had zero contact with him, relatively speaking. You know, over so many decades, and still spent about a half hour speaking to him. And it reminded me, of course, of some of the things we spoke about with Rabbi Trank, but it, about Rabbi Trank. But I'll tell you one thing, Gedalia, it, it prompted a question in my mind that I wonder if you've thought of over the last year, as this book was being uh, written, uh, finished, and then eventually released to the public. Um, what would what would Rabbi Trank's reaction be if he knew that there was an international sensation publication being written and then eventually being released to the public about him? I wonder how he would have reacted to it. What do you think? He would say that all the 17,000 people who bought the book already, how each one of them is so special and find something unique and special about each person. <laughs> he would totally turn the tables and put the spotlight on the people who bought the book, not on the subject of the book. That sounds just about right. I think based on what I, I received, uh, Rabbi Weil, you know, our good friend of Steve Weil, sure. sent me a text the other day. He said he just finished reading the book, and he wrote the following words, The Trank biography may cause a revolution in Chinuch. 
It's a breathing, living Musa Sefer for parents and Mechanchem. Yep. I called it a Musa Sefer when Rabbi Besser was on the air. Um, if 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 uh, if men and women in the field of Chinuch would incorporate just a drop of his style and uh, the things that he concentrated on into their repertoire, then yes, we would have a real revolution in Chinuch, no doubt about it. Really amazing. Well, it, it's happening. Yeah, it is happening. It's a lot happening. of people, and as you said, and then we're getting into the tens of thousands now of people who've who've purchased it, and uh, and and it's keeping your new facility in New Jersey very busy because all that printing and all that shipping is happening from your new facility in New Jersey, correct? In, in Rahway, New Jersey, close to your old home, about twenty five minutes from Newark. That but, is, that um, is correct. We're looking forward to your visiting. That is correct. I, I am looking forward to it. Mir Tashem seeing it soon. Uh, all right, we know that the nine days are coming up, but let's start for a moment on something that's happening after the nine days, and that's the release of um, of Danielle Renolf's uh, brand new book, Peas, Love, and Carrots. It's really simple. There, there's a pre order. I mean, this is not uncommon for, for you and, and other major publishers to do. It's a pre-order that's going on right now. There's a banner that people will see at artscroll.com. They can pre-order it. If they do pre-order it on the website, they get the uh, new tote bag um, that commemorates the release of the book, along obviously with the book once it's released. By the way, a lot of anxious people out there, including those who have already pre-ordered, do we know the timetable? Do we know when people can expect it if they've pre-ordered it? Um, the official release date is next week, Friday. That oh, is the Friday of Shabbos Nachmu. There you go. But I can just let your listeners know a little secret. We're going to start shipping already on Monday. So most people that pre-order it will receive it before the release date, together with the limited edition tote bag, the Peas, Love, and Carrots tote bag that Danielle herself created. And I encourage people to go on now. We already have... Close to fifteen thousand pre-orders for this book. That is it's pretty, unheard of. That is pretty amazing. Uh, and again, if they do it today, they'll be in that same category. If they would pre-order it today, after hearing this conversation, they would be in that same category of getting it toward the middle of next week. That is correct. Before right. anyone else has it. So everybody out there, it's artscroll.com. Very simple, artscroll.com. Pre-order the Danielle Renoff brand new book. It's called Peas, Love, and Carrots. We will speak to her on the year on the 4th of August. That's Tuesday after Nachamu, the 4th of August. Very much looking forward to that. And if you pre-order it on the website, you get the free tote bag. And as you just heard Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowicz um, uh, say, you'll also receive it before anybody else, uh, people who purchase it in the stores, etc., because it's going to be in your home by the middle of next week. I also remind you, as we get into our conversation about the nine days, that right now, Artscroll is offering 10% off on all books across the board, plus free shipping with no minimum if you use the promo code RADIO, a, a, a promo code that's become more and more valuable over these months, I'm proud to say. And also, 15% off on all Rabbi Barrel Wine titles, and we'll explain why, uh, plus free shipping. And again, that's if you use promo code RADIO. Uh, between now and the Tisha Bubs to take advantage of those offers, and I'll review those in just a moment. Uh, Gedalia, I, I, I would—I don't know why I'm assuming this, but you'll tell us the history. We know that your father started all of this with Megillas Esther, and then I remember when Megillas Rus came out. I believe that was the second of the Megillas to come out. Can I assume that Eichel was the last of the five to come out, or am I making a wrong assumption? Eichel was the third. He it was the third. He came out with Esther for Purim, Rus for Shavuos, and Eichel for Tishabov. Rus was that same year as Esther. Yes. So you don't just yep. you don't just remember him sitting for that month before Purim writing. 
you remember him sitting before Shavuos as well. He kept on going. He kept. He saw something big here, and he saw something that no one else saw, and he jumped at the opportunity. There was a thirst for Torah knowledge in a language that people understood and spoke. We're talking and he about just jumped on it. We're talking about the 1970s, folks. And by the time the next Pesach rolled around, we're all five out already. Um, I, I think by a year and a half late on Sukkot. On Sukkot, it was that wow. So in the first, yes, so in the first year, amazing. in the first year he did those three, and then the next year he did Shira Shiram and Kahelis. Right, right. Unbelievable. That's I just, as, I just assume psychologically people like to push off doing the Echo one. You know, <laughs> that's, all, that's, that's <laughs> no, why. No, the hardest, the hardest one is definitely Shira Shiram. Right. But the joke in Kiermung always was that Rav Mungzatzal went over to a boy the year that Megillus Echa came out, and he was just testing him. He said, "Who wrote Megillus Echa?" And the boy looks up innocently and goes, Rabbi Zlatowicz? <laughs> of course. That's a great one. I love that. Oh, very interesting. Okay, good history. And then, of course, the miniature, I don't even know, what do we call it? Small size? Pocket size, right? Pocket size. Uh, Megillus come out in a set shortly thereafter, right? And everyone has the collection of all five Megillus. Correct. Correct. But then it went, you know, once we saw the need for especially something like Eicha. People have time on Tisha B'Av. Right. And, you know, people don't go to work generally, and they're sitting, and we're thinking about the Beis Mikdash and the Chorbin. You know, it grew into so many different titles just to help people feel the Chorbin. No question about it. Rabbi Gedalia Zlatowitz is with us. Artscroll.com. He's the president of Artscroll Masora. You know, I'm looking at the website. Not only, I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine how many three weeks, nine days, Tishabov offerings you have. Uh, it, there are so many that they are in their own categories at this point. You have an entire collection of kinnis, right, all different types of kinnis. You have all types of different general reading for Tishabov, all different types of audio lectures for the nine days, uh, all different types of uh, Holocaust books, because this is the time of year when so many focus on tragedies in the history of the Jewish people. I mean, it, it would be ridiculous for me to put you on the spot in terms of the exact number, but if people are looking for material for this time of year, you have plenty there to check out on the website. There's definitely plenty, and I think this year especially, after what what we're going through now and what we went through, the hardest period was obviously, you know, from Purim leading to Pesach to Shuitz, right. how many people longed for Mashiach and were really crying and feeling that we need Mashiach now more than ever. And, you know, now we have an opportunity during the time that Chazal established as the time to really be misable on Yushalayim and to think and to cry. You know, we're going into that period tonight, and we should use the opportunity of the next nine days to really feel the Chorban and to long for Mashiach. And in that way, you know, we hope that Tisha B'Av this year will be a Yontif, we won't be fasting, but instead we'll all be dancing the Chutzais Yerushalayim. Amen. And the way to do that is really to to read about the Chorban. I mean, the, we have, for example, we have the Medrash Eicha. You read the, the words of the Medrash, what took place during the Chorban, and, you know, we experienced it, what we heard from our grandparents and great-grandparents about the Holocaust. The stories are similar to what they went through, the persecution we have to feel this. We're living in such dangerous times that if we're Mr. Abel on Yerushalayim, then Amir Tashem will be Zoha 
to see the coming of Mashiach soon and the building of the Beit Hamikdash, and we'll all be able to go to Yerushalayim. I mean, I, just imagine, it was so easy a few months ago. You want to go to Eretz Yisrael, you book a flight, you get on a plane, you go to Eretz Yisrael. I remember one of my rebellion, Rabbi Yisrael Reisman, always said that for the last few years, he's telling people, you just take it for granted. You get on a plane. You know, now we feel it. Nachum, what would you do now to have an opportunity oh, to oh, get oh. on a plane and spend two hours in Yerushalayim at the Kaisel at Kevarachal? What would you do? I can't even describe it. And, 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 and people like, like us and many others, because of the lucky situations that were in Baruch Hashem, sometimes get an opportunity literally to say, I, I have to fly to Israel tonight. And we can make that decision, you know, literally at the last minute, which is unbelievable when you think about it. And uh, when you think about what people in our history have gone through just to get to Israel. And, right. and and we have this unique opportunity. And like you said, it's not just taking it for granted. It's taking it for granted that it's hours away, that one can wake up in the morning and say, I want to be there by tomorrow morning. And they can be done, and people do that on a regular basis. So yes, you're right. But but but, but, but now we can't do that. That's we can't right. even get into our own country because of the virus. That's right. So something that we took for granted was taken away from us with the blink of an eye. Yeah, and we are pining. And, we are, and we are pining for it to say the least. Right. So the same way we're pining for that. Imagine how the Rebbeinu Shalom is waiting for us to have that same feeling for Mashiach to come to see the Kavod Hashem, the glory of God throughout the world. And if we really feel that way, and this year we make Tisha B'Av real, not just a day of fasting and complaining how hot it is, but really make it that we feel it in our bones. Hashem, it's enough already. Send Mashiach. That's all he wants. No question about it. And I always compare the, uh, you know, we, we, we're supposed to remember Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim, and we do every single day, but there's a night designated to really dedicate to Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. Same to everybody. We're always supposed to keep our history in mind, and this is a very important time uh, in history in general to remember that. We always have to keep our history in mind every single day, but it's this time of year that we really concentrate on some of the tragedies and the difficulties of uh, of the last many centuries, especially, of course, the Holocaust. Uh, so we take this opportunity to uh, to really concentrate on the on the things that have happened to our people and the things that have been uh, devastating for our people uh, in recent times. And uh, let us use this opportunity, as Rabbi Gedalia says, to really transform it uh, into serious days of mourning so that they then in turn become transformed to serious days of jubilation and celebration. Tuesday morning at JM and the AM, Rabbi Gedalia Zlatowicz with us, president of Arts Girl Masora. Reminder that everyone of these nine days titles that you will find. There's a beautiful banner there at artsworld.com. And like I said, a lot of categories, way too many titles to go through, but many categories as I outline. Uh, it's all 10% off on every single book, plus free shipping and no minimum if you use the promo code radio. As we mentioned regarding Danielle Renoff, the brand new cookbook available, plus the free tote bag if you pre-order it at artsworld.com. We will have her on the air on the 4th of August. The book, if you pre-order it today, will be in your hands before Tisha B'Av which is pretty amazing. And Gedalia, tonight starts the nine days, and uh, we've had an amazing partnership for many, many years. Our partnership has gotten even stronger based on something that starts here tomorrow morning. As you know, 
Uh, the nine days format at JM and the AM has been dominated, I'm proud to say, for the last almost 30 years uh, by Rabbi Beryl Wine's Jewish History Lectures. They're amazing. They're comprehensive. They're incredible. Uh, they're for every level. Uh, they're, they're just fantastic. And as you know, um, you and the people at Art Scroll over the years have utilized Rabbi Wine's extreme talents and incredible writing and unbelievable historic uh, his, acumen for history uh, to produce some fantastic titles, some great books. And right now, because of this, we are announcing that with promo code radio, because of the partnership that we have with Art Scroll, with promo code radio, starting now through Tish Above, any Rabbi Barrel Wine title, and there are many at artscroll.com, uh, will get you 15% off and free shipping when you use promo code radio. It must have been phenomenal years ago when you and the people at Art Scroll added Rabbi Wine to your incredible collection of authors. It sure was. Rabbi Wine is a fascinating person. He's a dear friend, and he's going strong. He's still writing. In the horror, I wish him <laughs> many, many more healthy years, but a man at his age to just think about the next two books and three books ahead he wants to give over his wealth of knowledge. He feels that knowing Jewish history is so important, because in order to know how to live our lives and what to expect going forward, we have to know what our ancestors went through. Yep. And that's why his Jewish, you know, his Jewish history trilogy of um, Trying for Survival, Herald of Destiny, and um, the third one is Echoes of Glory, which covers... Jewish history, pretty much from the beginning, is such an important set, a beautiful set, that if you read through that, he writes in such a light, interesting way. It's not a heavy read, but you really grasp Jewish history. Yep, very You're able to give it over to your children. No question about it. And uh, by the way, when you search Rabbi Beryl Wine at your website, immediately 20 titles show up. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> you, you mentioned the Jewish History series, and it is an amazing series. Uh, but there are many other offerings as well, plus audio uh, material that you offer, plus works that he's done with other. I didn't realize he did the Perkyovas with Rabbi Sherman. That must be amazing, their Perkyovas. Yeah, incredible piece of work. So, And now is the perfect time of year for that. So any Rabbi Barrel Wine title, everybody, we're proud to say, because we're going to be featuring him starting tomorrow again here at JM and the AM, 15% uh, off plus free shipping if you go to artscroll.com. Just make sure Rabbi Wine's name is on that work, and you'll uh, enjoy that discount that goes from now through Tishaba. Finally, Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowicz, let's just review some of the newer material. We spoke about Rabbi Trank. The book is called Just Love Them. It continues to sell. Uh, I would assume up in... Uh, Camp Monk. It, it, I, don't, I don't want to say it's required reading. I don't think you would ever do that to anybody, <laughs> but I would assume they're getting a tremendous amount of nachas from it, right? They really are. And also, I'll just run through a few titles quickly. Rabbi Yechiel Spiro just came out with another Kinnis Companion Ooh. called Just One More Tear. And it's a beautiful book how he goes through each of the Kinnis and he just gives you a feel for it. Not just to read the words, but through stories and reflections, he brings out the heart of the Kinos. The Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation were releasing a new book today on the topic of Shalom. That's their video this year, their theme this year on Tisha wow. is the idea of Shalom. It's called Live the Blessing, Daily Wisdom and How to Live in Peace with Family, Friends, and Yourself. And of course, we should not forget the Reverend Younger I spoke, which right. was a huge hit, to read about this fascinating woman who came 
from the ashes of the Holocaust to build Kirov in America. And one last title is from Rabbi Shimon Finkelman, who was a Chayuwal, seen of Arnava. Honor them, revere them. Is a beautiful book, a lesson a day on Kibrava Ein, Halacha, stories, insights. There's so many good titles, and people have so much time to read now. I just grab the opportunity. How is the Chumash with the teachings of the Talmud doing? I mentioned to you that my kids are really enjoying it. How do people like it out there? People love it. It's, we finally completed the set. Right. And um, it's really going great. Like you said, you look there, there's always something yep. to say over. It's unbelievable. The table, and to see how Chazal, everything they say, the source is a pusik, a verse in the Torah. And, and it is so satisfying to see that connection. It is so satisfying. I think it's one of the reasons they, that the kids, I mean, I call them kids, I'm about people in their late teens and early 20s, I think it's one of the reasons they like it so much, because they get to see that connection. It just makes sense. The whole progression makes sense to them. Right. Right, it's beautiful. Just a beautiful project, and and we should mention the weekly parsha Sefer Bamidbar, which is out now. I know it's designed for kids, but trust me, the list of everything that goes on in every parsha is very helpful for adults as well. And I th- I mentioned that <laughs> I mentioned that we had the Rabbi Biederman on the air. It's a it's a good work. I hope it's selling well out there. Oh, it's doing great, and also living in Muna Volume Five. I mean, we now is the time for a Muna more than ever before, and. Um, you know, his first four books from Rabbi Ashir have been bestsellers, and Living in Luna 5 does not disappoint. It's, it's beautiful. <laughs> to instill a moon in you and your children and all the people around you. All right, I'm going to let Rabbi Zlatowicz go in a second. Let me just review for one last time for our listeners. 10% off on all books and free shipping on everything. That includes everything mentioned in this conversation, plus no minimum if you use promo code radio on all the Rabbi Wine titles in honor of Rabbi Wine taking over JM in the AM for the next week in honor of Rabbi Wine. 15% off on every Rabbi Wine title plus free shipping between now and Tishabov if you use promo code radio. And don't forget to pre-order the cookbook. Danielle Renoff will join us on the 4th of August. You could have the book in your hands before Tishabov if you pre-order it today. Plus you get a free tote bag all at artscroll.com. There's a big banner on the homepage uh, that'll guide you appropriately. Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz, as usual, I thank you very, very much. Let's hope the next nine days are very meaningful. Have an easy fast, and thanks so much for joining us. Nachum, thank you very, very much, and I wish your listeners all an easy fast, and we should see together the coming of Mashiach. Amen. Thank you so much, Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowitz, President, Arts Girl Masora. A fascinating conversation and a very valuable conversation for our consumers and listeners. Remember promo code radio, everybody, here at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Rabbi Gedalia Zlotowicz. That takes care of this week's edition of JM Rewind. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up if you keep it here at the Nahum Siegel Network.